Welcome to another episode of Deep Dive Friday. This episode we are talking about SpaceX booster fleet and we have a special guest, Sammy Agastinger NSW. But first, I let the other hosts introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Rich LB, co-host of Becoming Multiplanetary, released on Mondays here at Total Space Network. Thanks for having me on the show, Miko, and uh, excited to be talking to uh, Sammy, aka Stinger NSW, today, who has also recently become a patron. Thank you, Sammy. Hi there, guys. I'm Aaron, another space nut, and thank you for joining us today, Sammy. Thanks, Aaron, Miko, Rich LB, for inviting me on to Total Space. It's an honor to be here. We are glad to have you here. So, Sammy, would you tell a bit about yourself? Okay, I go by the name um, Stinger NSW on both Discord and Twitter. Um, I'm also um, a team member of the YouTube channel What About It? And primarily, I'm a rocket enthusiast. Great. Yeah, we all met through What About It? Yeah, great community, and it's obviously led to other avenues um, such as this podcast. So, like I said, happy to be here. So, when did you become interested in space and rockets? Well, um, just to paint a picture for you, I was two and a half years old when man first set foot on the moon. I was five when the moon landings ended and in my teens when the shuttle was born. And like the shuttles, I aged 30 years and then came uh, along a private rocket company with the first uh, vehicle takeoff and vertical propulsion landing for an orbital rocket. And to this day, I've been fascinated with SpaceX's journey, both their disappointments and achievements especially when it comes to their first-stage boosters on the Falcon 9 rocket. So I would say overall my enthusiasm for rockets has heightened since SpaceX has come into the picture. Yeah, for me too. I mean, I always like to watch shuttle flights as kid. After SpaceX started landing rockets, that's been the moment when I got really interested in space and rockets. Yeah, the early days of SpaceX, them perfecting their um, initial grasshopper phase and then going into the Falcon 1 and then progressing through to the four versions of the F9 booster has been something, I mean, if everyone, whoever follows SpaceX would know that's been a a fast journey relative to uh, everything else. But in this time, we're in 2020 now, you can't say that um, we're not all in awe. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, Sammy, would you tell us about a bit of different Falcon 9 booster versions? How does the first versions compare to the current versions? F9 booster has gone through um, at least four iterations to the one that we all know now is the um, Block 5. So, yeah, the first one was the V. 1.0 between 2010 and 2013. Um, its launch success ratio was um, 5 out of 5, but they were all expendable. Um, the next version was the 1.1, which ran between 2013 and 2016. Its launch success was 14 out of 15. Um, it later attempted landings on its later flights, so the only failure for that particular version was the CRS-7 mission which was lost during its first stage operation due to an overpressure event in the second stage, but it did launch. Following that, SpaceX moved on to what they call the full thrust category, which is their version 1.2. So um, between block three and four, they transitioned in um, different parts of the rocket. That was between 2016 and 18. 
and their launch success ratio was 36 out of 36 on that, so it's 36 launches. There was one which was precluded, that was the Amos 6 rocket, which was destroyed during a, a routine static fire. But apart from that, the version 1.2 full thrust block three and floor was pretty successful. Yeah, wasn't the 1.2 version first booster version to land, or did they land one before that? No, they they landed that particular full thrust um, um, booster, the version one point two. So um, I can highlight a couple of instances later on, but generally they started to land boosters around the V one point two mark. Then came the current one that we know, which is the um, V one point two Block Five, which um, it had its first launch in two thousand eighteen, and they're currently using that version of. Um, the Falcon 9, and as of recording, they've got a launch success rate of 45 out of 45. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Oh, it is. And if you want to get a full history there um, of the versions, I mean, Everyday Astronaut has made a video explaining the evolution of the Falcon 9, which is pretty uh, pretty good. He goes into detail in relation to that. Um, but generally the four stages of evolution to the point that we know is the block five um, is where we constantly watch the videos or the live streams of the um, rockets going up. Yeah, SpaceX getting those landings right, it's made a huge impact on the industry. 100%. Overall, there's been 101 F-9 launches and uh, with Falcon Heavy launches. 47 of them um, have been with reflame boosters and... 68 uh, times they have successfully landed back at either a ground landing zone or a drone ship. So that record in itself speaks volumes. Yeah, nobody else really does that. Only SpaceX at the moment. But hopefully we will get some new players here. I mean, you were just saying about the Falcon Heavy there. For anybody that's new to rocket boosters, what is the difference between the Falcon nine that you were just talking about and the falcon heavy you know i mean i'm aware everybody else in this conversation is aware but if there's anybody new listening that's just starting to pick an interesting space up they might not necessarily be aware what a falcon heavy is yeah well with the falcon nine it's a two-stage rocket you've got the the main um uh, first stage which we obviously refer to as the booster and then you've got the second stage which obviously deploys the payload once it's in orbit. With the Falcon 9, um, it's actually, if you want to think about it, it's three Falcon 9s strapped together. But the difference is is that what we call um, the first stage would be the two side boosters and the center core would probably be the second stage and then you've got the um, final stage which deploys the payload uh, into orbit. So overall, uh, Falcon Heavy is three times the Falcon 9. So how about the differences between Falcon Heavy Center Core and the Falcon 9 booster? Are there any? Well, that's an interesting question because I've never thought about it. Uh, to me, um, the only difference would be where the, the side boosters are actually attached. So there'll be fixing points where um, the side boosters are attached to the uh, core booster and obviously um, the rest of it, uh, the core boosters wouldn't have um, uh, an interstage section, just a cap dome. Both, all three sections would have um, uh, grid fins and landing legs. 
So as far as I know, the only difference really is that the center core of the Falcon Heavy has been structurally strengthened to be able to deal with the load of the other two Falcon 9 boosters on either side. And uh, effectively, those two additional Falcon 9 first stages, they act as liquid fuel strap-on boosters, uh, which is conceptually similar to the Delta IV Heavy launcher. Yeah, which we saw a couple of days ago that launched finally the Enrol 44 mission. The space update is going to be happy that Enrol 44 went up. Yeah, we've been talking about it for quite a few episodes now. Yeah, that was a good launch. Um, Always good to see him lift off in the night time. Yeah, finally it lifted. Well done. Yeah, it was about time. Thinking about the Block 5 booster fleet, how many Block 5 boosters there has actually been? Um, Miko, well, the current Block fleet has completed 45 launches like I alluded to before at the time of this recording, and the fleet is made up of eight F9 boosters, which have launched one or, two, one or more times, and two Falcon Heavy side boosters, which have launched two times. Um, there's currently a side booster, which they've um, numbered V1064, which completed testing in McGregor, Texas this year, and that particular Side booster will support the uh, USS F-44 mission, which is currently scheduled for April 2021. But there has not been any public information on the second side booster, which has been designated B-1065, and the center booster designated B-166, so their status remains unknown. The good thing about this particular mission, sorry to sidetrack, is that on this particular mission we'll see two side boosters attempt a simultaneous landing out at sea on separate drone ships. But sadly, the center core will be expended due to the uh, payload configuration for the army. So they want to give maximum mission assurance margins to the customer. So that booster will then end up being expended. But that's one to look forward to um, next year. Yeah, that will be a sight to see. I mean, two drone ship landings at the same time. <laughs> That's just crazy. It will be a first for SpaceX, which is another first. Yeah. I was going to sidetrack off a little bit and ask Sammy's thoughts on future boosters, Starship architecture, and what you see the future of um, block technologies bringing to uh, Starship boosters, the super heavy. Until SpaceX start well developing the more manufacturing one, testing it, and then have a fleet of them, I really haven't thought about the Starship Super Heavy booster fleet. It'll be um, absolutely amazing when it starts happening. To me, SN8 being tested to what it was this week was the step of many steps and was totally mind-blowing, amazing, any word you want to use. So when the Super Heavies come into their own fleet, Again, we're just going to be in awe of what SpaceX is doing, wherever they launch them from, be it on a, a pad or out on a launch sea platform, they will be uh, a sight to see with a starship on top and returning back to Earth. And SpaceX are going to be open about the entire process as well. That's something that surprises me. No other rocket company has been this open, but SpaceX seems to be. Have you got any thoughts on that? I think what SpaceX is doing in relation to being open about their development, not only with the Starship Super Heavy, but 
in general, they don't go into their refurbishment processes or anything like that on their current Falcon booster um, fleet, but it's all happening behind the scenes. And when they want us to look at it, they show us. Okay, circling back to Block 5 boosters, I think it's pretty amazing that SpaceX has launched 45 times with just about 10 boosters. So that would average about four to five flights per booster. <laughs> oh, well, now that you mentioned that, um, okay, yeah, the current fleet leader is um, B1049. That's the first one to achieve seven launches and seven landings over a period of 806 days. Um, with the scrub of the XM7 mission on Friday um, to allow SpaceX to perform additional ground system checks meant that the current booster which was lined up which is b1051 will have to wait to sunday to attempt its seventh launch and landing before joining b1049 as a fleet leader if it does take off and land which we all hope it does um this will be the second booster to achieve that milestone um but over a shorter period of 652 days the current workhorse for the fleet is b o 5A, which is how I refer to as Bob and Doug's booster. This has completed four launchings and landings, but in a shorter period of time to the rest of the fleet by um, completing these four launches and landings in 190 days, which is pretty impressive when you think about getting a booster turned around and um, set up for the, its next launch. So I, I know they rotate them, um, and obviously due to client um, requests either being a brand new booster or accepting a reflame booster. The time frames that currently are happening, and with 24 launches to date this year, next year is going to be even a busier year with uh, a turnaround of boosters. I don't think they'll achieve a 24 day, a 24 hour uh, turnaround. But every time they put a new uh, a reflame booster out onto the launch pad, um, uh, you know it's going to do what it's got to do. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think they could maybe manage around two-week refurbishment period, but I, I don't really know if they would need to do any shorter than that to actually be able to launch all the launches. Yeah, I um, agree with you there. Um, I did a newsletter for What About It, and I actually did um, a booster profile with my thoughts on that. So overall, a two-week period, sounds feasible as the it goes through its launch um cadence as it gets as we get closer to um over seven i should say um we will find out how these boosters are going to perform or if they're going to have issues each time they line them up to launch but at this point in time it either seems to be a weather issue a um a ground support issue a sensor issue Nothing major, um, except for when we saw some earlier boosters um, with some issues in relation to uh, manufacturing items in the uh, engine. So once they were sorted out, um, it looks like we're back on track with the Falcon 9s being um, the workhorse of the SpaceX fleet. Yeah. How about Block 5 boosters that have been lost? I mean, expended or failed. Are there any? And... How did that happen? Yeah, um, sad to see when they actually go. Um, but, yeah, overall there's been eight F9 or F uh, Falcon Heavy boosters which are no longer 
launching into the heavens. So we had three F9s which had been expended um, for various reasons. One was the launch abort test and one, I think, was um, a client's request. It couldn't, obviously, return back to um, landing because it had to expend all its fuel. There's been three F9 fail landings. One was a grid fin issue, one was an engine failure, and one we later heard from Elon was a incorrect wind data that um, obviously uh, affected the booster. I think we all saw that on the Starlink mission where it got pushed over to the side of the drain ship or missed the drain ship. Um, so they obviously corrected it and made it go out instead of hitting the drain ship. There's been one Falcon Heavy foul landing attempt and there was one Falcon Heavy that successfully landed uh, on um, a drain ship. It detanked. It was heading back home. They couldn't get the octagrabber underneath it, so the booster tipped over at sea while on the drain ship. This is still considered a successful landing as the, the booster was damaged um, during transport. So they've lost eight Block 5 boosters overall, which is a pretty good result with three of them being expended. So you get you get down to five. So um, overall, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, that's really fascinating, Sammy. Uh, I have a question for you that does look again to the future but uh, I think I'd like to hear your opinions on this if you do have any we've seen the Raptor engine in development for quite some time now since uh, Starhopper I think it was S a couple on a couple of the SNs as well I think it was SN5 and 6 I believe also r- most recently with SN8 and its maneuvers what do you see the Raptor engine bringing to a new fleet of boosters for SpaceX one word or oh. It just changes the whole dynamics of everything. Um, obviously, the Raptor is a more advanced engine. The Falcon 9 suits its purposes currently for the Falcon 9 on with the Merlin engines, but the Raptors are just a, a different um, breed and obviously different um, fuel as well, but it's the way of the future if we've got to get off this planet. For sure, yeah. And we've already heard Elon say that the SN9's Raptors are in a more mature state along the development line as well, so I'm sure we're all eager to see how the SN9 performs when it goes. I would suspect that um, we'll have a good showing when SN9 takes flight. I think SN9's currently suffering from performance anxiety, isn't it? True. Um, If it's not SN9, it's SN10. It's not SN10, it's the next one after that. So we've got all this to look forward to. So as each prototype gets tested, new engines get fitted, um, the evolution is just going to be something that everyone's going to follow. Everyone's going to know what a Raptor is. Everyone's going to know what a Starship is. Everyone's going to know what a Super Heavy is. It's just going to be time, and time is with us currently. So, Sammy, what would be your favourite Falcon 9 booster? For me, it's probably either the in-flight abort booster or the DM2 booster. Well, I would think DM2 because it carried humans into space. So I would say that would have to be the booster that next gets put in a rocket garden somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's something that should happen for sure. Are there any other boosters that are worth a mention? Yeah, in fact, there's two of them which um, I've got listed on my webpage. They get special mentions because the first one is um, B1019. It was the first full thrust booster. This booster became the first orbital class booster to perform a successful return to launch site and vertical landing. 
This occurred in on the 21st of December uh, in 2015. And then a year later, um, roughly a year later, this booster was put on permanent display outside SpaceX headquarters in Hawthorne, California. And to say, when I went to the US in March this year after landing in LA, my first point of call was um, while I was waiting for my um, hotel room to become available was to head straight down to One Rocket Road in Hawthorne to to check out SpaceX. So what I did is I jumped in an Uber, spent a good three hours looking around and looking at B1019 and marking the occasion with um, snapping a, a selfie. Still one of my all-time favourite pictures. i got many favourite pictures, but um, taking a picture with the booster at SpaceX headquarters is absolutely, for me, was a, a great start to the um, trip that I had planned with um, Felix. So the next day I flew out to Florida, visited KC, watched a real rocket launch, which was CSR 20 with Felix from What About It? And um, after that, we headed off to Bacachica, Texas with Felix. We met up with Mike and Jammer, who are also fellow team members of uh, What About It? They flew down from Oregon. And so we also have witnessed the birthplace of Starships. Um, it was the best trip ever. So sorry to ramble on, but that moment when I saw a Falcon 9 standing in front of me was absolutely awesome. Um, I couldn't keep my eyes off it. I actually sat across the road. There was a bus shelter there. I rang up my wife and um, FaceTimed her and I said, guess where I am? She knew I was overseas. But I showed her the booster and she said, wow. So best ever. So the rest of the trip, 100% was awesome. But for me, personally, just seeing a a Falcon 9 up front was um, just amazing. So I've got to ask, Sammy, when you were there, what is it, you know, when you're actually attending a launch, what does it feel like? Because surely you can feel the booster lifting off, surely with the, with the reverberations. Uh, we were debating if we we're going to get um, actual launch tickets within Kennedy Space Center, but because the launch got pushed uh, a couple of days um, from the 2nd to the 6th, we then secured um, tickets on a boat that we headed out just within the, well, just outside the exclusion zone. When that rocket took off, it just lit up the sky. You could hear it, feel it, see it as it, um, and it was a cloudless night. So you could see it go into the sky and it was as the Falcon 9 boosters throttled off and uh, obviously uh, stage separation, you could see all that, see the second stage light. But the best thing that we did because we got that uh, boat cruise, was actually to see it return to the landing site. So we had two amazing events. It ended up um, landing, and I think Elon ended up saying that the landing was one in one of the most difficult wind conditions, That like they had wind shear when they were landing that booster back at landing zone um, one. But to see the booster come down uh, through its landing burn, and then obviously it's a landing and then hearing the sonic, sonic boom was well, something I think all of us that was on that particular boat was um, celebrating all the way back to the uh, dock. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I would recommend anyone who can go and see a, a launch wherever it might be in the world, if it's SpaceX or another uh, launch provider, do so. I even plan to go over to New Zealand when um, things are right to go and see a electron launch. Yeah, 
Seeing a rocket launch is definitely on my list. It's not easy to see rockets from Finland, but yeah, maybe maybe one year we will all meet in United States. Yeah, I would love that to be the case. It would be great to meet all you guys and have an awesome launch party. Continuous, non-stop, 24 hours a day until the rocket launches. Yeah. Okay, so there's also a new addition. Um, the second booster on my list that gets a special mention is another um, full thrust booster. It's B1035, which is currently displayed horizontally at the Space Center Houston. Um, and it's only one of the two boosters on display, the other one being um, B1019, and is the first commercial space exhibit for uh, Space Center Houston. And B105, um, it carried out two CRS missions. First one was CRS RS-11 in June 2007. The other one was CRS-13 in 2017, December 2017. And this was the first time a reflown booster returned to landing, to the landing site. All the other previous boosters at that stage um, were landed on drone ships. Unfortunately, the exhibition opened on the 13th of March. This was shortly after I arrived back in Australia, so I was unable this time around to check it out during my visit to the US, but definitely on the next trip to the US, whenever that might be, um, yeah, Space Center Houston is on my list. Yeah, totally. What do you think about concept of reusability? NASA has been uh, the one that actually has been quite favorable to SpaceX reuse, and now even Air Force and national security launches have been coming to terms with reusability. I think it's a good thing. I think they're not fighting SpaceX to say that they want. I'm assuming they would um, prepare to pay for a brand new booster, but for them to have to see the reliability of what SpaceX is doing, have the confidence, regardless of what the cost might may or may be um, at the end of the day, is obviously a testament of what SpaceX is, has done, is achieving and will do in the future. So that gives everyone at SpaceX the confidence to say NASA's got our back, um, the Air Force has got our back. They put trust in us, let's not let them down. And that was the case with launching astronauts, people, on a rocket for the first time by a commercial provider going into space. So um, it's just as long as they keep up what they're doing, obviously never um, leaving a stone unturned. SpaceX is just going strength to strength. Awesome. Now we have time for some listener questions. Uh, we have quite a few people listening this live. Would any of you like to ask any questions live? Oh, my memory always just comes back to that Falcon Heavy double double booster landing. Yeah, uh, well, when the first demonstration mission of the Falcon Heavy, when Elon launched a Tesla with a Falcon Heavy, um, that was absolutely, um, again, awesome. But the fact that they returned two of the boosters back to landing zone one and two was absolutely amazing. I still replay the video, the... They've got a video on um, their um, YouTube page where it, it comes back landing and the guy just stands in front of the booster and looks at him after it landed. I know they didn't do it immediately after it landed, but the guy just looking at the boosters uh, just gives me goosebumps. So, And 
from the other YouTube videos that I've seen, every time I hear the one with the double sonic boom, again, the hairs in the back of my neck just stand up automatically. So yeah, I was planning hopefully to go next year to America to see a, um, a Falcon Heavy um, launch, but that won't be the case. But I'm sure in 2022, um, I'll get my opportunity. Let's hope so. Well, Framrick was asking about uh, Vanderberg launches through the clouds. What do you think about those? Yeah, the one that was last year, um, uh, launching through the fog and then landing through the fog was uh, also one of the memorable um, launches. Yeah, it uh, might be a straight-up Falcon 9 launch, but um, just to see it pierce the, the fog layer on ascent and then coming back down would be one of the memorable ones that sticks in my mind as well. I think there's been questions raised on Twitter, what is your favourite launch? And it's hard to put one in the number one spot, but I tendly go towards the Vandenberg one because it does look amazing um, and just shows the grace of the Falcon 9. Yeah, absolutely. How about the drone ship landings? What would be your favourite landing or a boom? Well, the booms are the booms, and although we don't like them, they are spectacular. For the landings, generally I always um, chant for a bullseye because then I can tweet it, um, but the ones that look shaky, um, like the last Starlink mission, where it must have moved um, due to rough seas before they got the Optograbber, and it was basically lifted up on one leg, hang not hanging off the edge, but close to the edge. There, and then bringing it back to Port Canaveral to obviously unload it probably um, sums up some of the um, landings that I've liked. So that that's probably one of them. But generally I like the ones that you can actually have a clear feed on and you can actually see the landing being performed and stuck. It's, it's stuck. So they're the ones I generally like. The ones that get cut in due to the video feed, you just hold your breath that, you know, couple of seconds before the feed sorts itself out and you see the boosters just standing there you know deep tanking and having a breath and saying i've done it so generally all booster landings are fantastic the ones that don't go that well yeah they're spectacular but generally that's why i, I love boosters the, the the boosters so much because the mission's not over once it's launched it's coming back yeah i mean lately we've been seeing almost all of the drone ship landings without cuts in the feed or let's say bad cuts in the feed so i'm glad spacex has made it made the live view much better yeah from what i see on the um discord server and on the chats and twitter is that they have installed starlink terminals on of course i still love you i'm not sure about um just read the instructions I would suspect that having Starlink to some extent uh, improves that. It depends, obviously, sometimes where it's positioned. But generally, overall, uh, SpaceX is providing us with front row viewing seats, be it excess, a success or a misadventure. Yeah. We actually have another listener question. Is there a limit for booster reuse? How many times they could be used? What is your opinion? Well, I only can go by what SpaceX and Elon had said. They said 
basically the booster is good up to 10 launches with minimal re refurbishment. And then after that, they've said but not have publicly spoken to a, a great de detail what happens after 10 launches. So that depends if they have to strip it down, obviously replace major components. Time will tell. But at this point, 10 with minimum refurbishment. Yeah, totally agree. Is there any more questions? Predictions for which Starship will make the first orbital flight, Sammy? I would think it'd be in the teens somewhere. The teens is a good number. I'm, a, I'm guesstimating 15. Well, that's halfway. So, yeah, somewhere in the teens. Um, I suppose um, everyone's wanting it to be earlier, but more than likely there'll be hiccups along the way. So it's got to be reset, evaluate, um, move on. So somewhere in the teens, maybe late in the teens, but I don't think any earlier. Yeah, I think it would be around 15 as well. There's another question from Gage. Uh, he's wondering how many reflights would we see with humans on board a single booster? It's certified for b but how many reuses? Well, they haven't said how many reuses for uh, human with humans on board, but we do know that one of the boosters will be used next, uh, reused next year for the Crew Two mission. Yeah, so it'll be sorry, it will be B one hundred six one again will be used for Crew Two. So they've allocated B one hundred six one as I suppose you want if you want to call it a NASA booster. Um, it launched Crew One obviously recently. So now that's been looked at, I suppose, in at SpaceX at the SpaceX hangar, or just sitting there until they need to get it um, prepped for that particular mission. But yeah, it has been assigned for Crew Two. How many times they would use it um, is hasn't been made public. Any guesses? For me, I would think two, and then it'll probably see itself in the fleet somewhere, and um, probably a new booster might be used for a third crew mission the only reason i say that is just the time frame probably you don't want it sitting around too long yeah i agree two reuses with humans would probably be around the right choice that's all the time we have today i've been mikko the host of deep dive fridays thank you very much sammy for joining us and becoming a patron and i'll hand over to rich lb Hi, I'm Rich LB, co-host of Becoming Multiplanetary, another podcast here at Total Space. Thanks for having me today on the Deep Dive Miko, and thanks very much to Sammy or Stinger NSW, our guest. It was really great chatting to you today. Uh, as always, I'd like to give a shout out to the Patreons at the end of each episode, so we uh, have some new Patreons as well to mention. We have Sammy himself, What About It, Jishwan and Sebastian, Gio Pagliari, Framrick, Susie R., and Marco, thank you to all of you for supporting the channel. And if you'd also like to support the channel and uh, you like what we do, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash total space. Hi there guys, I've been under the space note. If you've enjoyed today's episode, feel free to share it on your social media. You can also tag us at Total Space Net on your favourite social media sites. I'd like to say thank you to our guest Sammy for joining us today. It's been an interesting chat about boosters and thank you Miko for hosting this deep dive special. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on the show. It's been a blast. Um, thank you, Miko. Uh, it's been interesting to say, but I've really enjoyed it. 
Just to let everyone know, I've got my own website. It's set up on Google Sites, but it's called Booster X. I'm currently documenting um, the current Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavy Block 5 boosters. I'm sure the guys will put a link in the description below because it's a bit long to spell out. And uh, if any one of you guys want to follow me, you can um, find me on Twitter at StingerNSW. And also um, my um, lovely, beautiful cat, Bella. She's also got her own Twitter page. So if you want to follow my um, lovely cat, you can also find a link in the description uh, to her Twitter page. So thank you very much, guys, for having me. It's been amazing. Cheers. Thanks to all our listeners and have a great day.